Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Gene Conroy from Tree Frog Specialties. Why don't you say hi to everyone, Gene? Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me, Mike. No problem. Glad you could make it. Uh, next week's guests uh, on Thursday would be Mike Lamb from Cincinnati Time, and a week from today, Jeff Betts with Landmark Insurance Agency. Uh, we have a couple of other uh, interesting and special shows coming up, uh, so keep tuning in. Uh, special Sandler event, uh, next one of our country club series out at Clovernook Country Club is on Wednesday, October 16th. It's called Seven Deadly Sins of Sales, and that's going to be a great program for business owners and salespeople and understanding the seven things that cost people the most business and how to avoid them. Uh, now let me tell everyone a little bit about Eugene. Uh, in 1986, Gene started working in the graphics industry in Charlotte, North Carolina, at a company that printed National Geographic Magazine, Spiegel Catalog, and Avon's Catalogs. So you were working at a printing company. Yep. Pre-press. Pre-press. The digital guy. That's it. Good. And there, uh, Gene designed and assembled layouts for these monthly publications. In 1992, he and his wife Donna formed a publishing company that produced a weekly magazine focused on community events and leaders in the Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, American Red Cross, and local public service personnel, as well as their events and achievements. Uh, Through that venture in 1992, uh, Gene and his wife Donna formed a company that provided printed and embroidered apparel for events and corporate customers. In 1995, they sold the business. In 2000, Gene and Donna moved to Cincinnati, where Gene worked for Kodak, where he supported Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson, and other large uh, national customers. So, Gene, when you you moved to Cincinnati in 2000, were you in a sales capacity or a technical capacity? It was a technical capacity for color and uh, graphic work. Okay. And in 2011... That's when you started Tree Frog Specialties. That's correct. Okay. Uh, that was formed after Kodak filed Chapter 11 downsized. Gene helped other large vendors that were having trouble with its, their suppliers for embroidery and screen printing. Tree Frog has equipment to support their needs as well as can continue the business he and his wife had in North Carolina. So you still have some clients that you created in North Carolina? Well, we just continued on with the business. We didn't keep any of the clients that we had in North Carolina. We just kept with the same format. So 
today you have both screen printing equipment and embroidery. Embroidery? Yes, mm-hmm. you do both of those. How large are the largest uh, pieces of apparel that you could screen print on or signs? Uh, we can go up to about 36 inches wide. 36 inches wide yeah, by hassle. It's about the size of a poster is what you'd look at. Mm-hmm. So you can print it either direction. Okay. Whichever way you prep the art for the press depends on how wide or how high. But if you look at a poster size, that'd be about as big as we can screen print. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that's a new capability for you here? Yeah, it is. We bought the press actually out of North Carolina and uh, got it in in April mm-hmm. and spent time building a new building to house it. <laughs> you know, the new building to house the printing press. The, the, the press print. and the, the dryer itself is 14 feet long. So uh, there's a lot of a When you print onto apparel, you have to cure the ink at 320 degrees for cotton materials. So it's like a giant pizza oven is what it looks like. Mm. You lay the garments on one end of it, and as it feeds through, it heats the garment up to a certain temperature and... Uh, like polyester, you don't want to go over 300. You melt it or you get dye migration into the inks. Mm-hmm. And the ink goes into the fabric or does it lay on the fabric? It lays. But the particular kind we do is laying on the fabric. There are a couple other types. Uh, water-based printing actually gives you a soft hand. It, it feels like there's not much ink there. Plastisol inks are a plastic type of an ink. Those mm-hmm. lay on top of the garment. And uh, that's the type that we do. Mm-hmm. What's the advantage of a, of a plastisol type of an ink, Gene? Uh, it's a long-lasting type of an ink. Uh, they are free of harmful chemicals. Mm. So uh, there's actually government regulation regarding children's apparel that we have to follow when producing uh, anything in a youth size. So all of our inks come from a, a phthalate-free is that's the the government uh, removing chemicals that are dangerous to kids in mm-hmm. the event they want to eat their shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, makes it a little bit harder sometimes for the inks or whites and things like that to uh, lay down properly. But why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, your company and yourself? Well, our company uh, primarily focuses on embroidered and uh, screen printed apparel. We've done this since. 1995 did sell the business, but as anything, we continue to look and you know observe the trends and things like that. Um, I've been in the graphic industry since '86, and a big part of doing any type of garment decoration is the part you don't see, and that's the preparation of the artwork before it gets either embroidered or printed, and that can mean all the difference in the way that the garment looks in the end. And I think that's where we have a little bit of an edge on some other companies because they don't have the experience in prepping the files or want to prep them correctly, I guess. Mm -hmm. I know we've had experience in the past with embroidery where the letters filled in that didn't look right. Right, right. So digitizing the way you lay stitches, the type of stitch that you use, uh, we try to pay attention to that up front, make sure that you're happy with the garment you're getting before we even embroider it. And the same with the artwork. We send out proofs and make sure the colors, everything is acceptable before we even put ink on onto a garment or stitches onto a garment. 
Mm-hmm. How did you choose your location here in Cincinnati? Well, Kodak chose my location. Uh, we lived in Charlotte when I was it was a 95. We ended up moving to Michigan, where I worked for an advertising agency up there. Mm-hmm. And it was just a really small town. I got some good experience up there working for Whirlpool, helping them design their safety system for their use and care guides. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I got the job with Kodak, they asked me about Cincinnati, if it would be acceptable to move here. And when I left Kodak, I didn't really want to move anywhere else. So that's we started up Tree Frog. I guess what I, what I really meant is how come you chose Claremont County? Well, I've been in, with Kodak. I've been fortunate enough or unfortunate enough to see a lot of cities, a lot of places in this country, mm-hmm. all over the country, almost every city on the East Coast and out to California. So I think Claremont County itself has a lot to offer. It, to me, reminds me of the Blue Ridge Parkway mm-hmm. with all the amenities of a large city, but with all uh, the quaintness of the country, I guess. Okay. Good. How do you go to market at Tree Frog? As far as how do you find new customers? Well, over the past uh, year and a half, we've really relied on uh, the chamber and networking events. Mm-hmm. You uh, mean the Claremont County Chamber of Commerce? Right, right. We have a website, but our website is there for the convenience of the customers that we meet in person. Mm-hmm. One thing that we have done, and it maybe goes against what some people think, is controlling our growth. If I were to do heavy marketing on the internet mm-hmm. and all of a sudden get a hundred orders, how would we handle those orders? And I don't know, how would you handle them? And we wouldn't be able to handle those orders. Okay. And I didn't want to get ourselves into a position. As you know, the worst publicity you could get is word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And the best publicity is word of mouth. Right. So we've also relied on word of mouth advertising. So we're not in a sense, I guess marketers even though i know i know the game from my business and from working with a lot of large companies how it works but trying to control the growth so that we keep quality levels uh, where i'm happy with that mhm gene has agreed to uh, answer caller's questions about screen printing or embroidery on logoized apparel the number here is 646-595-49 one six. I will be able to screen the calls during the commercial break. First one, which will be up in a second. Gene, do you have any salespeople now? No, we don't have any salespeople. So it's just you and your wife that we're running the company, sell That's the product. Correct. Yep. Okay. So, Gene, when you had to build a new building to house your printing press, the capital for the building came out of the existing funds the company had. That's correct. You didn't have to go out to the bank and get a loan. Right. Well, as you know, as a new company, it's extremely hard to find funding for just about anything. And convincing them that you're going to be in business a year from now is Mm -hmm. uh, something It's stressful, number one. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't didn't want to go that route. And I didn't want to have the loan payments every month to try to keep the business afloat, to keep our lives in check, you know. I understand. Gene, we're going to take a commercial break. And again, if you have any questions for Gene, you can call in on 646-595-4916. We're going to listen to Jimmy Fox talk about Tip Club. 
The next tip club meeting here in Cincinnati, which I host here at our training center, is Thursday, September 19th, 7.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. Let's hear from Jimmy Fox. Hi, I'm Jimmy Fox of Tip Club. Tip Club is a professional networking organization whose members help each other succeed. We meet once per month and provide a forum where business-to-business professionals are able to connect with more desirable opportunities and build long-term strategic partnerships. I'm inviting Cincinnati Business Talk listeners to come to our free networking event. You'll have the opportunity to meet new people, share leads and referrals, and grow your business through strategic alliances. Membership in our Cincinnati group is open to only one person per specific trade or occupation. Business-to-business professionals only, please. We do not accept multi-level marketing or recruiting-driven memberships. This is our only group in Cincinnati. We'll meet on the third Thursday of the month from 7.30 to 9 a.m. at Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, 4357 Ferguson Drive, Cincinnati, Ohio. To reserve a seat, please go to www.tipclub.com and click on the Events tab at the top of the page. Then, just scroll down the list until you come to the Cincinnati event. Or you may call 800-798-0270. That's 1-800-798-0270. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you at our next networking event. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Gene Conroy from Tree Frog. Gene, wanted to tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you after the show. All right, Mike. Uh, we can be contacted at 513-212-3581, or you can email me at gene, G-E-N-E, Conroy, C-O-N-R-O-Y, at treefrog, T-R-E-E-F-R-O-G-G, specialties.com. Gene, uh, do you guys have a long-term strategic business plan over Tree Frog? Yeah, survival. I survival. <laughs> so we have, uh, you know, with the expansion and uh, the, I guess, the unknowns of um, the expansion of electrical capacity and a lot of other things that that went on and growing. Um, electrical capacity? Yeah. With the, You're in the printing business. Why yeah. do you need a electricity for well the dryer alone takes up it's an 82 amp uh 18,000 watt dryer so um the location where we're at is a single phase location everything needed to be converted from a three phase to single phase and um i think our strategy or where i would like to head the business to is uh being able to take artwork from local artists and be able to transform that art into wearable designs that can be sold. Uh, that's what I, that's the part of the business that I really like. I like the design aspect. We do some design for some of our charities that we work with, uh, the Jamie Jameson Foundation for Hope, mm-hmm. uh, Gynecological Awareness Foundation. Uh, we design their T-shirt for the panties across the bridge, and uh, then 
printed it. So it's neat to see people wearing the stuff that you've designed and created from start to finish. Yeah, that, that was a surprise a couple of years ago when my family was walking across the Purple People Bridge and all of a sudden, well, just panties everywhere. Panties everywhere. Yeah. It's a really, it's a great organization. And uh, those are the types of things that we like to do. And we like to get involved with the people we're working with as well. So going down to the events and volunteering with them, uh, that's what I, that's what I like about the business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you see as the opportunities and possibilities for growth? Depending upon the direction that we want to head. Uh, if you just take going to buy more equipment, take a, different types of equ- uh, printing. Well, I guess our dilemma is with equipment comes more employees, mm-hmm. and you've got the healthcare act going on and how that impacts. So determining how big do we want to get? No, certainly, what the uh, magic how number? How small do we want to stay? How big do we want to get? How personal or impersonal a company can become based on its size? How many employees do you have now? Two. Just you and your yeah. wife. Yeah. yeah. So you're way way below the well, twenty-five limit. What what happens is uh, we found it as a good fit is having temporary personnel come in. Um, we're working with possibly looking at mm-hmm. um, being able to bring in some people to work in that capacity. So there's some pretty easy stuff that can be done if somebody's trained properly. It's folding clothes, uh, just standing at the end of the dryer taking shirts off and folding them and putting them in, in stacks. So a lot of the work has to do with bodies, mm-hmm, just having mm-hmm. somebody there. And I think for for us, some people will look and say, well, you know, you want to get a business as big as you can get it, you know, as big as the world. But uh, I really enjoy being smaller. And I, I think that's it goes against what a lot of people think when they're looking at business. But uh, that's that's the way we are. So. Mm-hmm. I understand that completely. Uh, when I started here in Cincinnati 22, 23 years ago, one of the reasons I bought the business from Sandler is he said he didn't need any employees. I had a dozen employees in L.A., and this was only me. It was going to mean no headaches. Right. That lasted less than six months. <laughs> All of a sudden, I had three employees. Uh, what do you think people are looking for now in uh Logoized apparel. Most of the stuff that we do for our corporate customers are uh, it's a standard left chest embroidered polos. Uh, depending upon where they where they're working, where they want to be, uh, some customers will pick out their own clothes. We also do that. Some embroiders have a problem; they want to buy the clothes, they want to embroider it. Uh, part of the reason for that is if a mistake does happen on a piece of apparel that a customer brings us. We're not able to just go out and replace it. So being able to purchase it, and if something happens in the process of manufacturing it, we can replace it easily, and it's seamless with the customer. But um, I I think uh, as far as what most corporate customers are looking for is free advertising. As you drive out anywhere Look around you, and you'll see people wearing uh, identity of a company. Mm-hmm. They're not in a suit, and that's a casual way of getting your company's name across. I think. What percentage of the shorts that you're embroidering have a, a sleeve logo as well? Probably about ten percent. Ten percent. So 
we'll do uh, a left sleeve. It, it varies. Depends. Some people like them on the right sleeve. As you go to shake somebody's hand, mm-hmm. you'll see the exposed. So you have that on your shirt. Yeah. You have a, a, I can a put right. them all over my shirt. <laughs> on your I shirt, you I have can, them on the left I can right. put designs all over the back and the front. Yeah, so it's as easy as walking down and pushing a button and uh, going with that. But um, Most of the time, it's... Uh, Do many people want back and front embroidered? Once in a while, we get it right below the neckline. On a collared shirt, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll put something. Uh, we do work for the Reds on their golf outing. There's uh, there's a tagline or a sponsor or something like that. Um, most of the time, it is a single location mm-hmm. embroidery. So it's either on a hat or a shirt or a bag. Mm-hmm. And screen printing, and that's pretty much the same front or front and back. Mm-hmm. Again, Gene's going to be... Available to take calls at 646-595-4916. Gene, uh, there are a lot of uh, screen printing uh, and embroidery places in Cincinnati. What is your unique marketing advantage? We tell our customers, um, once we have your logo digitized, and Mm -hmm. um, we try not to do this as, you know, last minute because it creates headaches for us, but if a uh, customer's already been with us and has something that they need, we're available to them. They can come by and watch the machines run. You bring me a shirt, you need each forgot, you have an event, you need something done, take it by, it's five minutes on the machine, and usually five to ten minutes, you can have your apparel and you're done. It's, it's a little bit longer on the first round of, uh, as far as your customer process, getting the logo digitized, so it's not a short process the first time, but each additional time when you come in or I get material from you. Are you doing the logo digitization at your place or are you sending it out to someplace like India? Depends. Which means? That means that depending upon the complexity of the design, we actually use uh, digitizers in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. That, uh, our former Bairdon employees, uh, we own Bairdon equipment for our digitizers. For our embroidery, we also have a full suite of digitizing capability. Mm-hmm. Now, there's professionals that know how to do professional digitizing when it gets pretty intricate, and that's who I leave it to. I can send it to them, let them handle it, and uh, so it's less headache. For they me. take my JPEG file of my logo, correct? They turn it into something the machine can read, right? And then the machine spits it out. Right. Mm-hmm. And if there's any problems with it, uh, sewing or breaking threads design-wise, I just send it back to them, and they fix it. I don't have to spend my time. You know, I just had to decide what's more valuable for me, and having somebody else to do it. If there's a time crunch, I can do it. If uh, we have good lead time, we send it to them, and in a couple of days we have it back. So how many actual uh, sewing embroidery machines do you have? We have two. We have a large and a small format. Both can do small format. One can do, we do tablecloths and uh, jacket backs, things like that. What do people put on tablecloths? Logos. You go to a trade show. Um, we do, we've done quite a few around Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll do them in one, two, or three hoopings. So we can go up to 30 What's inches. What's a hooping? Uh, sorry. Uh, hooping is a process of putting the material into a 
a hoop, a garment hoop that uh-huh. holds the material taut mm-hmm. so that when it's sewed, the stitches have a tendency and will pull the garment into a ball as it's stitched. So it has to be held flat. So oh, okay. If you so it's kind of like a jig. Yeah. If you ever saw your grandmother holding a, a knitting needle in a circle, yeah. you know, putting, you know, stitches in, up, yeah. it's, it's that exact thing, except it has uh, attachments to put onto a machine. Good, good. We're going to take a break here, and uh, then we'll be back with uh, Gene Conroy. Uh, let's listen to a couple of Sandler commercials. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. At the first sign of trouble, there are three types of business leader. The first type of leader is like a turtle. He pulls his head and tail in and hides in his shell. Turtles hunker down, just trying to survive. The second type of leader is an opportunist. They're like eagles. Eagles spread their wings and take advantage of the winds. They catch the storm wind and rise to new heights. The third group, between turtles and eagles, are called turkeys. Turkeys are average and anxious. They huddle together and move. They never saw... However, turkeys are easy prey for those who seize the opportunity and soar. If someone in your industry goes out of business, are you going to get the business? The question is, which type of leader are you? Will you seize the opportunities to take market share and grow, or will your fate be like the turkeys? If you're serious about growth, call me to arrange a confidential meeting, 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. You've heard our commercials about sales and sales management, but you haven't made the call for some reason. Maybe you're having your best year ever. Maybe you think a sales development company won't work in your industry. You're different. I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Maybe you're afraid that if you called, you'd buy something. If you're happy with all your sales and profits, and believe you have all the answers or simply don't see yourself investing in yourself or your people, then don't make the call. We have nothing for you. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, mentoring, business owners, and sales professionals who are serious about their careers. So if you believe that Sandler Sales Training might make you better, faster, meaner, and stronger, call me at 513-646-6523 or register for our next open house. Roth & Associates, the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. You can check us at www.rothconsulting.net. Gene, uh, we have a theory of operation here that simple solutions to complex problems are invariably wrong. Uh, perhaps you could share with our listeners a complex problem that you ran into in your business and the equally complex solution that you came up with for that problem that might be transferable to another business or industry. I don't know how transferable... I guess that they would be. Uh, one of our major problems is something that the customer never, usually never sees. Uh, it is, we deal with artwork of every type and format. And what we had to decide to do was either to make it our customer's problem or to make it our problem. And finding a solution to that that was seamless to our work and as far as being able to get the job out on time. So a customer comes in, a lot of times you would be surprised that a customer has a business, they have a logo or or artwork that's been created for them. And through whatever means of loss or transferring printers or however the artwork was created, they generally never have the original art. 
And mm-hmm. so that art has to continually be recreated. That's one of our complex problems. And it can come in any type of a format. And trying to figure out who could do that for us, how we could streamline the process, uh, I don't I don't think it would transfer well to other industries. Other so what do you do? Do you just scan the, the artwork? No, we have to actually have it digitally converted. So sourcing the software that would actually convert a photographic type quality picture or a JPEG, if you're familiar with mm-hmm. the, the sure. types, into a format that is a vector-based format of mathematical points that can be edited. That's the type of art that we need. So when we have an event, say uh, Jamie Jameson, for instance, mm-hmm. where you have uh, Disney and ABC and all these different vendors that are sponsoring an event, that you have to be very careful to make sure that their logos uh, look well when they're reproduced, sending you in files that are unreproducible. You have to come up with a way and a solution to make them reproducible and back to the original format. You know, it's, it's funny. You, you bring me up this uh, compatibility in files. I have a future guest on the show that I asked him for his uh, bio, and he sends me over a file, and after our email started working again today, I attempt to open it up, and it's all gobbledygook on the inside. It's supposed to be just a how he got their story. I tried three different programs, sent, sent them over it, back an email saying, hey, I can't open your file. What's the file format? And he says, oh, it's from a Mac. And in my company, we're all PCs, so he finally sent me a PDF file, which we could open and print. <laughs> but it was uh, most uh, most troubling. I didn't realize that uh, Mac didn't create simple word formats that you could transmit. Probably in the uh, file that he was creating, he must have selected something. I, we work in both formats mm-hmm. seamlessly. In fact, I run... Windows on my Mac, and mm-hmm. I run separate servers that are, you know, either Mac or Dell, you know, based. So we, we don't have any problems with the platforms. It's the files themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, this one file, man, it, it it just blew away the Windows computers. I thought it was maybe just a, a notepad file or a, a simple Word document when I opened up in both. <laughs> And when we crash, I said, oh. Well, and even uh, in printing in the largest companies that I worked with with Kodak, that was one of the major problems was uh, there's not a universal file format. Mm-hmm. So every file comes in differently, and every manufacturer of software handles the files a little bit differently, and one small adjustment can send everything into a tailspin. So, I mean, that's kind of that's is it, uh, a PDF, a attempt at universal yeah in fact that's what he finally sent he sent a pdf right. from mac which opened beautifully on a, a windows uh, 7 machine everything's great when you're viewing it it's when you go to print it that it changes so in the case of screen printing when we print something you can look at it and you can on a screen and you'll see exactly what it looks like well, I have to prep that file to make sure that it prints properly. So if we print on a dark shirt, we put a, a white underlay behind everything. Mm-hmm. And if it's a complex file, it has to be trapped, which is the process of uh, taking one color and slightly shrinking it so that 
When another color is printed on top of it, you'll not see the white if it moves a little bit. Oh, the outline. Right. So there's a lot of prep work that goes into, uh, especially in the screen printing side of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so on the Internet at Tree Frog, you said you have a site for your customers to send in work. Is that all you're doing on the Internet? Or are, you, are you soliciting business on the Internet? Probably, uh, for the most part, our solicitation would be more uh, Facebook than uh, our website. Part of that reason it hasn't gotten a lot of attention is me. Uh, I don't see it as not valuable. It's just trying to find the right company that I want to handle. I'm, I'm not going to be able to handle designing it and doing all the work myself. So, so up until now, you've done it yourself? Yes. Mm-hmm. Are you using search engine optimization now? No. So it's just so if you look for us, can. if you look if you look for us, you you probably won't find us. I, I know I'm laughing about it, but the way that we've used the website is so that uh, the customers that we contact can actually look at the catalog and get a partial idea of what they want. Every customer is treated as an individual with us. So you say, here is my problem. I I have this much money to spend. I ha- I need this type of a shirt, or I have smaller sizes. You know, youth sizes uh, print different depending upon the size. So an extra small and a child size, you can't put the same printing impression on that as you would on an adult shirt. The logo size. Right. Mm-hmm. Go on a, to a 6XL in an adult size. If you put a 9 by 9 image on a 6XL shirt, it doesn't really uh, translate very well. So, so which is more expensive? Uh, the if you have the artwork, the embroidered shirt or the logo uh, printed on, screen printed on. Screen printing is cheaper if you're doing volume. If you want one shirt, embroidery is cheaper. Really? Yeah. So for small quantities of shirts, embroidery is cheaper. Yep. It may be cost more as you see a per piece price, but the amount of prep work we have to. If you want something screen printed, we have to actually we have screens that are that have emulsion on them that have to have film made exposures made. So there's a whole process behind that even to get it up. If you come to me today, Mike, and mm-hmm. you said, hey, "I need a shirt," mm-hmm. well, we have your logo ready to go. I can load your thread colors up, load in your logo in the machine, and within ten minutes we can have you a shirt. Mm-hmm. If you say, I want my logo screen printed, um, I have to run... That's what we used to do. I have to run film out. I have to burn the screen. The screen then has to be washed out, so it has a drying time added to that. The screen has to be prepped for the press. It has to be loaded on the press, centered, and, you know, you want a left chest, you want a back print. How many colors is it going to be? Maybe there's a couple of screens involved. If every color you want, your logo's three colors. We'd need three screens to produce that. Mm. So you want one shirt, and you're going to have three screen charges under 12. We don't charge screen charges. Uh, makes us a little bit different from screen printers. Is everything is included. We don't. Um, I don't believe in adding on. So when we give you a price for something, that's the price. It's not. You're, you're going to get a bill with, well, this cost me this and this and this. It's just 
one cent price. So yeah, I, I look back probably to 1996 to 98, and we used to do a screen printed shirt. Yeah. Uh, and everybody had their first name on the shirt. And as I was thinking about that today, I said, man, that's just busy. That's a lot, a lot to it. Too busy. People have gotten away from the names. We did it for a while because the chamber seemed not to be able to remember to get our name tags at events. So, mm-hmm. but uh, those shirts have been retired. I uh, fully know what you mean. Fully know what you mean. Uh, based on what you have in your product line, what's the the single product that you hope to sell the most of over the next uh, twelve to twenty four months? Probably the most. Uh, Beneficial product to our business is uh, probably the Nike Dry Fit polos, or a. I know uh, Nike. Yeah, I know what a polo shirt is. What's Dry Fit? Dry Dry Fit is a. Uh, it's it's called a wicking material. It's basically a breathable material, mm-hmm. so it makes the shirt cooler, and it's one of our most popular items. Uh, and it doesn't. I, I use Nike as an example, but um, and it. It's for me dealing with so many uh, pieces of clothing. Uh, I never thought I'd be a, I say, a garment snob to mm-hmm. an extent. Not that I care what you wear, but what I'm, what I feel. I've, I've tried all of our product. We try to wear it, uh, wear it for days, and see how it does. See if it picks or pulls or falls apart. Wash it. See how it's going to be for our customers. So I've worn a lot of stuff that we sell. So do you embroider on jeans as well as shirts? We can do that. We can do pant legs and anywhere, sew up holes. <laughs> What's the most unusual thing that you've done? Oh, let's see. Well, we do uh, one thing that's pretty neat is uh, for our family and for friends of family, uh, children's birthdays. We will find all kinds of different things to embroider from blankets to uh cheerleaders with little outfits and then put their names on the cheerleading outfit, you know, with a, a number. Uh, one of our nieces is a cheerleader, so for her birthday one year, we got her the uh, the cheerleader and embroidered the outfit. Those are probably more unusual. Okay. Gene, uh, we're going to take a uh, another commercial break here. Again, if you have a question for Gene, this will be the last opportunity. The number is 646 595 one six. We're going to listen to a, a Sandler rule. We're going to listen to Sandler rule number five. This is Pat Hydrick with Sandler Training, here to talk to you about rule number five, never answer an unasked question. Now, why would anybody want to answer an unasked question? Well, in sales, salespeople can get a little excited. They can be proud of their product knowledge, their industry expertise. And at the wrong moment, they might suggest something that the prospect never brought up, and it can actually kill the deal. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you've done a good job of uncovering the prospect's problems, frustrations, issues, concerns, and you put together a great presentation, and you're nailing every single point and the prospect's ready to buy from you. And you might find yourself or somebody else on your team says, hey, did we share with you? And then that's the salesperson's biggest nightmare. What you thought was a slam dunk sale all of a sudden gets derailed, 
and for whatever reason, that person does not become a client of yours. So don't forget rule number five. Never answer an unasked question. This is Mike Roth and Gene Conroy back again. Gene, uh, one of my, my most popular shows recently was a show that we did on leadership. And what we did is we spliced together the leadership tips that about 30 of our previous guests had given to the uh, next generation of leaders. Perhaps you have a leadership tip that you'd like to uh, give our listeners that we can make it live forever by putting it in leadership volume two. <laughs> I think through my experience, uh, both being uh, a leader or a, a production director and both the employee from the other side of it, I think is uh, remembering respect respect for the person that you're working with, working for. And I think a lot of managers lose perspective that um, they're entitled to something and that the people that are working under them are, you know, their subordinates mm-hmm. should be almost servants or in servitude. But in the, I think in the real case, it's uh, those people are making your job possible, what you produce possible. And if you don't have respect uh, for your employees and don't treat your employees um, respectfully, I think that uh, your business suffers for it. Okay. Uh, Gene, what are the areas that you feel your company is good at and what are the areas you think you really need to work on? Well, I think we're really good at customer service and fitting the need of our customer to you know, what they've come to us for. Okay. And, and possibly even exceeding their expectation of what they thought they could get to giving them something that's better. And there's nothing better I like than seeing a smile and a delivery when they've gotten something that they didn't expect. Uh, I think I should tell everyone we, we're, use, we're using Gene for <laughs> the embroidery on our shirts at Sandler Training. Oh, the service has been great. One of our customers. Uh, I think probably our weakness would, would be marketing and keeping our, you know, putting our name out, but on that side, uh, I have tried to control the growth of the company so that it's manageable mm-hmm. at this point. How and many hours a week are you actually working on average? 80. Wow. Probably 80. I was up till 5 in the morning to get some stuff out today. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're not keeping normal hours at this moment. Uh, a lot. This is our busy time of year, too, so a lot of a lot of uh, shirts for school, events, school. yeah. Mhm. Uh, what kind of a vision do you have for your company's services and products? I think, uh, like I said before, increasing our capabilities. Uh, web growth is something that I want to do. I just wanted to be able to do it controlled, and I don't. I don't want to be, you know, just. A, I was trying to think of the name of of one of the companies, but you know, they just. They offer you can go out and design something simple on their site, and in two weeks it's delivered to your doorstep. I really like the customer interaction from what we're doing at this point, supplying with uh, event materials or corporate materials as far as apparel. But I also like the artistic aspect and being able to work with artists to put their designs onto shirts and being able to sell them. How close to maximum capacity are you operating right now? Uh, we're not anywhere near it. As far as um, 
So even though you're working 80 hours a week, you're not near maximum capacity? No, we're not. It's by choice. Okay. Uh, There's there's a lot going on with uh, testing materials, testing inks, uh, trying to uh, grow in some new ways of decorating apparel. So uh, we're kind of consumed by the business currently, being able to mix. uh, It's called mixed media, being able to take embroidery, screen printing, or heat pressing, which would be uh, rhinestones or uh, custom names or applique, and putting all of those together on shirts. So there's a lot of testing going into that as well. Okay. In your organization, what do you think is stronger? Are you stronger at uh, selling or or managing production? I would be stronger at managing production. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was my background. Although... You know, I've been in a position where I had 30 people working with me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'm stronger at finding faster and better, more efficient ways and more productive ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Could you share with our our listeners the top three ingredients in your company's culture? Well, since the two of us, I think uh, at the moment, keeping our our marriage life separated from our business life is probably uh, one of our small most, company. That's always a problem. That's that's one of our biggest challenges, and um, not having it consume us. And then this growth phase that we're in—that's exactly what it's done. You know, the summer is gone, and we've worked the summer away. All of a sudden, we're going to be in the winter, and wonder what what happened to the summer of thirteen. You know. Mm-hmm. What what motivates you as a leader, Gene, uh, to make tough decisions? I think the future for us, where where we want to be, uh, we put. It's easy to say it, put everything on the line for mm-hmm. business. You know, uh, I had the opportunity to uh, listen to uh, the founder of Acor yesterday, uh, and he said that the day he he was twenty eight and decided to start the company. He had to put his house on the line mm-hmm. to get the capitalization, to buy three computers and the, the payroll software to get the job done. Yep. And it was commitment. That, that it is the ultimate form of commitment. And it's not for everybody. And I, I don't know, even at this point, was it for us, but it was a situation that we were in. And I saw my future in corporate America as a dead end. You know, it, I saw my uh, people I worked with and, and going into their 50s getting laid off. Mm-hmm. No pension. Mm-hmm. Here's a year's pay. Go find something else to do. They've been with a company for 30 years. You've got somebody else at the helm. You see them driving. You know, I saw Kodak dwindling, you know, over the last five years I was there. I saw I lost many coworkers. How many years total were you at Kodak? 13. Mm-hmm. So figuring out. Do I want to find myself in my 50s? I'm 46 now. Do I want to find myself in my 50s and uh, being laid off? And at that point, I, you know, having the energy to do something like I'm doing now, mm-hmm. uh, make it possible. So I just decided, we decided that, look, it's all or nothing. We're going to put everything that we have on the line to make this business work. And if it doesn't work, We'll get a trailer and move to Florida. <laughs> you know, so 
that's what we've done, and uh, I'm actually, I'm happy about it. I, I'm not so happy, you know, working at five in the morning sometimes, but it, it's our business. Mm-hmm. They're our customers, and uh, as long as you know we're making an influence in other people's lives in that way, I enjoy that. You know, I think so, that's kind of the right decision. Uh, so many people that I've talked to here at Sandler Training that bought a franchise that never should have been sold to them and a business model that had yeah. no sense at all, especially in this climate. And I thought, wow. You have to be so careful. Oh, yeah. I mean, whether it's the sign business or the logo buys the apparel, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure franchising brings that much to the table. No, it doesn't. And uh, we were actually offered a business to, to buy. Mm-hmm. And um, we looked into it and we were given a proposal. And, uh, you know, the chamber for people wanting to get into something is a, a really good resource to talk, to bounce things off. The, you know, the small, they have a small business person you can talk to to just bounce ideas off of. Oh, here maybe, the- you know, there's a need that's not being fit mm-hmm. properly. And uh, that's what we did. We already had kind of made our decision, but we, we got the chamber involved. And How long did it take you to make the decision to start your own operation from the time you left Kodak? Fifteen days. Really? Just a little more than two weeks? Yeah. Um, I, what I did, I didn't want, I was laid off, so I had three months with, at the end of Kodak. They went bankrupt in January, which, you know, that was unforeseen, but at the time, they flew me to Houston. I got a call at 7 in the morning. I, I arrived on Monday morning. On Tuesday morning at 7 in the morning, I get a phone call and say, this is the call you didn't want to get. Go home. <laughs> so I was like, well, I wasn't bitter about it. I, I had a good run at Kodak. and uh, But anyway, I we decided uh, I would call all my customers. I didn't want them getting a message. You know, this phone is no longer in service or not knowing what happened to me. So I called all the customers that I had you know, relationship with, and was just saying, hey, if there's anything out there, let me know. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my customers here in Cincinnati um, had a lead for me, and it was it followed into this not meeting deadlines, and, uh, you know, a, a large supplier was not getting their needs met. And we went in, talked to them, it worked out for us, and uh, it, it was going to be a good situation. For so that referral course. got you your first customer. That's correct. So one wow. of my Kodak customers who I serviced and had a good relationship with. So you never know, you know, who's going to, down the, down the line, you don't step on people to get where you want to be sure. because you never know who will be. Many, many things drive successful companies and CEOs like yourself. Uh, we've determined that three things are extremely important. Uh, outlook, your core beliefs. Uh, to desire your passion for success and commitment, your willingness to do whatever it takes to be successful. Uh, could you tell me a little bit more about each one of those? Outlook. Start with. Well, I have always had a positive outlook. I think the things that you experience in life, in the end, you leave it all behind. So this is about learning. So whether it be a good experience today or a bad experience that you feel it is. A lot of times, the bad experience that you're having, you look back and realize that without that bad experience or what you thought at the time was a bad experience, you wouldn't be where you're at. So I kind of take life as a learning experience, and keeping that in mind, I think it makes life a lot more easy to deal with. Mm -hmm. If you're learning something, even though it might be the hardest situation you're in, if you're learning something, um, 
I think that you can benefit from everything that you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about commitment? I think uh, commitment goes along with integrity. Um, mm-hmm. If you if you have a commitment to something, you know you have to have the integrity to I guess follow through with it and to be upfront with who you are, who your company is. Uh, that's kind of the way we view it. That if you do something sneaky or underhanded. You'll be found out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So don't do it. That's a a really good point. Really good point. You know, uh, when Bob from Paycor was talking to the Rotary Club yesterday, uh, he talked about adversity and how adversity uh, makes you tougher, which is one of the things that we teach. Uh, and if you're a reader, I, I strongly recommend uh, Paul Stoltz's book, uh, Adversity Quotient. Uh, it's a real uh, eye opener and uh, learning how to deal with adversity and learning how you deal with it and improving that and that actually improves your ability to uh, run and grow your business. Uh, Gene, I want to thank you for being on the show today. Uh, I'm giving you a copy of uh, one of our Sandler books, the 49 Sandler Rules. Okay, all That's right. A book thank by you. our CEO Dave Matson. Uh, in the book, you'll find a copy of our. Sandler training calendar for the next couple of months. A training pass, million dollars, naturally. Of course. And uh, what I'd like to do is invite you to come down to uh, one of our training classes. Check it out for yourself. Uh, sit, sit in the class with other managers and professionals and figure out if some of the things we do here can help uh, you guys grow a tree frog. Uh, again, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having I me. really appreciate you being here today. And Scott, why don't you uh, take it away for us? Thanks for listening. This program is the property of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, Inc. The show may be distributed only with written permission and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513 753 Nine four zero zero.